Chapters forty to forty four of Tristram Shandy, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shalifa Mulligan. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume two, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter forty. "'Is it this a fit time?' said my father to himself, "'to talk of pensions and grenadiers?' CHAPTER Forty One. "'When my uncle Toby first mentioned the grenadier, "'my father,' I said, "'fell down with his nose flat to the quilt, "'and as suddenly as if my uncle Toby had shot him. "'But it was not added that every other limb and member of my father instantly relapsed with his nose into the same precise attitude in which he lay first described, so that when Corporal Trim left the room and my father found himself disposed to rise off the bed, he had all the little preparatory movement to run over again before he could do it. Attitudes are nothing, madam. Tis the transition from one attitude to another— like the preparation and resolution of the discord into harmony, which is all in all. For which reason my father played the same jig over again with his toe upon the floor, pushed the chamber-pot still a little farther within the valance, gave a hum, raised himself up upon his elbow, and was just beginning to address himself to my uncle Toby, when, recollecting the unsuccessfulness of his first effort in that attitude, he got upon his legs, and in making the third turn across the room, he stopped short before my uncle Toby, and laying the three first fingers of his right hand in the palm of his left, and stooping a little, he addressed himself to my uncle Toby as follows. CHAPTER Forty Two. When I reflect, Brother Toby, upon man, and take a view of that dark side of him which represents his life as open to so many causes of trouble, when I consider, Brother Toby, how oft we eat the bread of affliction, and that we are born to it, as to the portion of our inheritance, I was born to nothing, quoth my uncle Toby, interrupting my father, but my commission. Zooks, said my father. Did not my uncle leave you a hundred and twenty pounds a year? What could I have done without it? replied my uncle Toby. That's another concern, said my father testily. But I say, Toby, when one runs over the catalogue of all the cross-reckonings and sorrowful items with which the heart of men is overcharged, it is wonderful by what hidden resources the mind is enabled to stand out and bear itself up as it does, against the impositions laid upon our nature. "'Tis by the assistance of Almighty God,' cried my uncle Toby, looking up and pressing the palms of his hands close together. "'Tis not from our own strength, Brother Shandy. A sentinel in a wooden sentry-box might as well pretend to stand it out against a detachment of fifty men. We are upheld by the grace and the assistance of the best of beings.' "'That is cutting the knot,' said my father, "'instead of untying it. "'But give me leave to lead you, brother Toby, "'a little deeper into the mystery.' "'With all my heart,' replied my uncle Toby. 
my father instantly exchanged the attitude he was in for that in which Socrates is so finely painted by Raphael in his school of Athens, which your conversership knows is so exquisitely imagined, that even the particular manner of the reasoning of Socrates is expressed by it. For he holds the forefinger of his left hand between the forefinger and the thumb of his right, and seems as if he was saying to the libertine he is reclaiming, You grant me this, and this, and this, and this, I don't ask of you, they follow of themselves in course. So stood my father, holding fast his forefinger betwixt his finger and his thumb, and reasoning with my uncle Toby, as he sat in his old French chair, balanced around with party-coloured worst bobs. Oh, Garrick, what a rich scene of this would thy exquisite powers make! And how gladly would I write such another to avail myself of thy immortality, and secure my own behind it! Chapter 43 Though man is of all others the most curious vehicle, said my father, yet at the same time tis of so slight a frame, and so totteringly put together, that the sudden jerks and hard jostlings it unavoidably meets with in this rugged journey would overset and tear it to pieces a dozen times a day. Was it not, Brother Toby, that there is a secret spring within us? Which spring, said my uncle Toby, I take to be religion. Will that set my child's nose on? cried my father, letting go his finger and striking one hand against the other. It makes everything straight for us, answered Michael Toby. Figuratively speaking, dear Toby, it may, for aught I know, said my father. But the spring I am speaking of is that great and elastic power within us, of counterbalancing evil which, like a secret spring in a well-ordered machine, though it can't prevent the shock, at least it imposes upon our sense of it. Now, my dear brother— said my father, replacing his forefinger as he was coming closer to the point, had my child arrived safe into the world, and martyred in that precious part of him, fanciful and extravagant as I may appear to the world in my opinion of Christian names, and of that magic bias which good or bad names irresistibly impress upon our characters and conducts, heaven is a witness, that in the warmest transport of my wishes for the prosperity of my child, I never once wished to crown his head with more glory and honour than what George or Edward would have spread around it. But alas, continued my father, as great as evil has befallen him, I must counteract and undo it with greatest good. He shall be christened Trismegistus, brother. I wish it may answer, replied my uncle Toby, rising up. Chapter 44 "'What a chapter of chances!' said my father, turning himself about upon the first landing, as he and my uncle Toby were going downstairs. "'What a long chapter of chances do the events of this world lay open to us! Take pen and ink in hand, brother Toby, and calculate it fairly.' "'I know no more of calculation than this baluster,' said my uncle Toby striking short of it with his clutch, and hitting my father a desperate blow sous upon his shin-bone. "'Twas a hundred to one,' cried my uncle Toby. "'I thought,' quoth my father, rubbing his shin, 
"'You had known nothing of calculations, Brother Toby.' "'A mere chance,' said my Uncle Toby. "'Then it adds one to the chapter,' replied my father. The double success of my father's repartees tickled off the pain of his shin at once. It was well it so fell out. Chance again! All the world to this day had never known the subject of my father's calculation. To guess it, there was no chance. What a lucky chapter of chances has this turned out, for it has saved me the trouble of writing one express, and in truth I have enough already upon my hands without it. Have not I promised the world a chapter of knots, two chapters upon the right and the wrong end of a woman, a chapter upon whiskers, a chapter upon wishes, a chapter of noses? No, I have done that. A chapter upon my uncle Toby's modesty, to say nothing of a chapter upon chapters, which I will finish before I sleep, by my great-grandfather's whiskers. I shall never get half of them through this year.' "'Take pen and ink in hand and calculate it fairly, Brother Toby,' said my father, "'and it will turn out a million to one that of all the parts of the body "'the edge of the forceps should have the ill-luck just to fall upon and break down that one part "'which should break down the fortunes of our house with it.' "'It might have been worse,' replied my uncle Toby. "'I don't comprehend,' said my father. "'Suppose the hip had presented,' replied my uncle Toby, as Dr. Slop foreboded. My father reflected half a minute, looked down, touched the middle of his forehead slightly with his finger. True, said he. End of chapters 40 to 44